You're listening to The Itch, a podcast exploring all things allergy, asthma, and immunology. I'm your co-host, Courtney, a real-life allergy, asthma, and eczema girl. And I'm your second host, Dr. Payal Gupta, a board-certified allergy, asthma, and immunology doctor. Courtney and I hope to balance each other out so that we get you all the information that you want and need about allergies, asthma, and immunology. We are back with part two of our two-part series on atopic eczema. If you missed part one, we talk about what is atopic eczema, what are the terms associated with it, what are the symptoms, and how those present at different ages. We also talk about how it's diagnosed. So if you want, you can catch up, and that's episode 26. Today, we're jumping into treatments. So we'll be talking about creams and other methods to treat and to maintain a healthy skin barrier. So I think the best thing to do is just jump right in. So a part that I'm excited to jump into is the treatment. I personally feel like I have finally found a good skincare regimen and I have a lot of different creams that I use. Can we talk about the different creams that are involved in treating eczema? Of course. So again, and I can't emphasize this enough, the main thing with treating atopic eczema or any form of eczema is good skincare. It's really important, as we said earlier, to keep the skin barrier strong and intact. And we do that mostly by making sure the skin does not dry out. So that means applying a lot of lotion or creams or ointments as often as we need to, to keep the skin hydrated. Yep. I always, always, always have something on hand, either in my purse or on my desk, in my kitchen, basically everywhere so that I know I can keep my hands hydrated because that's where I have it a lot of the time. And I've used things from just normal creams to honey creams to pure shea butter. And I finally found my love (laughs) and it's a super fatty super oily balm. Interesting. I personally like straight up Vaseline for areas that are very dry and also Aquaphor because they're also cheap. I mean, Vaseline is really cheap. Aquaphor is more expensive, but then they're also very sticky. So not everyone likes them. And people can actually have a contact dermatitis from Aquaphor. So important things to remember, but I recommend really any lotion or cream or ointment that doesn't have any perfumes or added fat. Vaseline is a great one. My grandma actually uses it all over her face and when you go to hug her goodnight and you like touch her cheek you stick to her and you're just like (laughs) peel away from her so I know that Vaseline definitely works for her and I use it sometimes too especially on my face I think probably because of her I have those creams those maintenance creams but then I also have creams from my doctor and I don't think we can talk about atopic eczema without talking about steroids that is so funny because I've actually heard of so many older people saying that Vaseline is their secret to staying young. And so actually a couple of years ago, I was doing it regularly, but then I kind of got out of it because of that sticky feeling and what it did to my pillows. But I was starting to do it just to stay looking young. But anyways, getting back to steroid creams and ointments. Yes, they are actually a big part of atopic eczema care and eczema care in general. So steroids are as we know, an anti-inflammatory 
and they reduce the inflammation that occurs in eczema. So they come in different potencies, which is really important to remember. If you have multiple tubes of steroids, you really want to talk to your doctor and make sure you know which one is stronger, which one's not as strong, just so you know where to use what. Because generally, I give the lower potency steroids for the face and a higher potency one for other areas of the body. The problem with overusing a steroid or using something that's too strong is that it can thin out the skin very easily and the skin on our face is super sensitive. It can cause skin thinning. It can cause hypopigmentation of the skin, which means lightening of the skin. And when you get thinner skin, you can actually see the blood vessels underneath the skin, which is obviously not desirable, especially for the face. And so basically topical steroids can change the texture of skin over long periods of use. It's just important to remember. And then some other side effects from overusing topical steroids, you can also get an acne type reaction, especially again on the face. So people who get kind of addicted to using topical steroids, because again, they really work, then all of a sudden they can start seeing kind of more like an acne reaction. And also in addition, after using it for long periods of time on areas like the face and genitals, and then stopping it, you can also get a withdrawal syndrome once you stop it that can occur days to weeks after you stop the steroids. And that's seen with redness, burning, stinging sensation, itching, pain, and even what they call facial hot flashes. So your face just gets red and hot out of nowhere. So they're all really important things to remember because we really don't want to overuse the topical steroids, even though they feel like they work so well. If we use them too much, they can cause issues. Okay, that's a lot to think about because I just got steroids this year and my dermatologist actually had a certain dose created for me so that we could step up to see if it wasn't working. So he started me very, very low. So I have to go back in and check to see how it's working. But it luckily on the lowest dose for me, it worked like magic. So it worked really quickly. And now I see why he was so cautious about giving me steroids and how he wanted to do it very slowly and progressively and not an aggressive treatment like what I was hoping for. But I was lucky enough at work. Also interesting is that I have eczema on my face and he didn't give me a steroid for my face. He actually gave me something called a protopic. I don't think that's a steroid, right? Can we go into what a protopic is? Yeah, so protopic is a great medication. It's actually what we call a calcineurin inhibitor. So again, it works similar to a steroid, but without all the side effects. So there's a couple different medications in that class of medications. So protopic and tacrolimus, which are actually the ingredient names, and you know they might be called different things in different countries, but uh, you might have heard of one of them as Eladil also. Both great medications, and I always recommend them, especially for people who have the atopic eczema of their face like you do. But you can also use them on the body. Yeah, I use it for my face, but I also use it for my décolletage where I get it on my neck and just some other parts of my shoulders. Is there something or anything else that a patient should know about protopic? For instance, does it have any side effects and can it be used for a long time? Or is it something like steroids where there are long-term consequences? Yeah, so the most common 
side effects are things like burning, redness, itching. I have some patients that try it and just don't like it. But unfortunately, they've also been linked to cancer. But these concerns really haven't completely been validated. And I've never seen it in my practice. And I personally use it. I I think that with any medication, you want to limit its use and only in the select areas that you need it. It's not something that you're going to put all over your body just to keep it eczema free. It's really the areas that you're most affected that you're going to use this medication. And then again, the risk of cancer hasn't really been completely established, but I use it on myself and I recommend it all the time. And with anything, again, limited use is best. I experienced that burning sensation, but it went away after a while. And honestly, it was nothing compared to how itchy I was. So it was like you outweigh the itching or the burning. And I would rather have the burning than the itching. One thing my dermatologist told me about using Protopic was that I was supposed to avoid the sun. Do you know why that would be? Yeah. So one thing about the burning sensation is I liked how you mentioned that it did go away because that side effect in particular, after you use it for a couple days or sometimes a week or two, it usually does go away. So I do try to tell people to just keep with it and see if that goes away. And then if it doesn't, obviously we stop using it. But to not have that be uh, a reason just to stop it right away, because in general, eczema, when it's flaring, anything that you put on it is going to feel like it's burning and irritating because the skin is already so irritated. That's a really good point for people to remember. So as far as sun exposure goes, in general, any kind of sun exposure is not good for our skin because it is technically a carcinogen. And since this medication has been associated with possible skin cancers, I think that that recommendation likely comes from that. It's just another thing that could cause, you know, the sun can cause skin cancers. And if this medication might be linked to an increase in that, we just want to avoid sun exposure. That makes sense. And my doctor mentioned that that sun exposure wasn't great. And I told him that I was a vampire anyhow, so he didn't have to worry. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's really the best practice for all of us. But in general, um, just as a general recommendation, I actually recommend everybody use sunscreen every single day of the year. People don't realize this, but we're actually exposed to the harmful effects of the sun, even on cloudy days and in the winter. So I wear an SPF daily to protect my skin in general. And it's also a great way to protect yourself from aging too. So that might be another reason that people might want to do it. So I don't necessarily put SPF all over my body unless I'm going to the beach, but definitely in my face, I'm using an SPF every day. Really? So we should be looking for a day cream with SPF if possible. Absolutely. I think it's so important. And I think any dermatologist that you talk to will also talk about the importance of using sunscreen every day. The sun makes a lot of sense to me, but I've also heard about phototherapy for eczema and Does that have anything to do with the sun? So, yeah, there are a lot of studies to show that the use of phototherapy can help with adults that have eczema. We don't use it for babies or kids, but it's a treatment that's done with your doctor and they use a special machine that specifically uses certain UV light rays 
that are found in the sun because the sun has UVA and UVB. But for phototherapy for eczema, we use what's called narrow band UVB. So it's a specific UV rays that we use that will help with eczema. So it doesn't mean that you could get the same treatment by just going out in the sun because when you go out in the sun, you're exposed to other negative elements too. Other things to remember though about phototherapy is that it is cumbersome because you usually have to go in three times a week for it to be effective. And the length of the time that you would go in for is determined by the dermatologist. And I personally don't do this in my practice because most allergists don't have the equipment that's needed to do phototherapy because we don't use it for other conditions. So it doesn't make sense for us to have it in our office. Definitely, it's something that some people have tried and it does work for them. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Before we jump into oral medications, are there any other creams that we should know about or is it simply steroids and protopic in the world of atopic eczema? So no, there actually is another non-steroidal cream that was approved in 2016 actually and it's called Crisabrol or Eucrisa and it works in a different pathway to help eczema conditions and basically... This one doesn't have too many side effects at all. Some people can have, again, the burning and they don't tolerate it, but it isn't associated with cancer or with the thinning of the skin. It's really mostly shown that it helps with that itching sensation. So for some people, it works wonders. And I also put this into the mix. Sometimes if we've tried other things and the patient's kind of feeling they want to give something else a try, I'll also give this a go. Hmm, That's interesting. I haven't heard of that. I might have to ask my doctor about it. Uh, Moving on to oral steroids for eczema. I've never had to have them, but I know that they're used. Yes. So for some people with severe exacerbations, we do have to use oral steroids. But again, this is only meant for short periods of time, because as you know, oral steroids can cause a lot of other side effects like issues with the bones and again, thinning of the skin even can lead to diabetes. And so we want to limit their use as much as possible. But unfortunately, because they work so well, sometimes people get addicted to oral steroids because they work so well. It's not an actual psychological addiction, but because their skin looks so much better while they're on the steroids, they want steroids all the time. So what they'll do is they'll go to different doctors and they'll get steroids by different providers. And because we're not all on the same system, I have no idea that someone's been using steroids. And I just wanted to emphasize that because we really shouldn't be using them all the time. They're really associated with so many negative side effects, especially down the road. They've been shown to cause an increase in fractures for older adults. And, you know, fractures are really, really dangerous as you get older. And so it's just really important to keep all of that in mind. That is why I'm so glad that a new medication came out for people who have moderate to severe eczema, and that's called dupalumab. I'm sure you've heard of it. Oh, yes. I have definitely heard about it. And that's an injection, right? Yes. For people with moderate to severe eczema that don't respond to any of those treatments, or they have to be on oral steroids to control their eczema, there is a new medication called Dupixent or Dupalumab. And Dupalumab is used for a lot of other conditions too, but it was actually first approved for its use in eczema. So we've used it longest for eczema and it works on the allergic pathway and we don't need to get into the exact way that it works, but that's why it's also approved for other allergic conditions like asthma. And how often do people need the injection? Is it something they 
have to do for the rest of their life? So it's every two weeks. But the good thing is that you can actually give yourself the shot at home, which is nice. So you don't have to go to a doctor's office every two weeks. You can just give it to yourself. It's given in the stomach. Some people don't feel comfortable giving themselves shots. So they do come into my clinic to get the shots, but it's nice to have the option to get them at home if that works for you. And right now, what we know is that it's actually an ongoing treatment. So technically lifelong, but I always tell patients that we can try to take a break. So if they've been on it for a good amount of time, we can see what happens if they come off of it. But to be honest, when people have good results of the treatment, it's really hard for them to want to come off of it because they really don't want to go back to having severe eczema again. So a lot of people just don't want to take the chance and they just want to continue using the Dupixent. Are there side effects that we should know about? So what's interesting is that Dupalumab or Dupixent doesn't have any major side effects. There's nothing that we really need to monitor people for. But with people that are getting treated for eczema in particular, they tend to experience this severe dry eye that can happen sometimes. Not all of them, but some. And it's almost like all the eczema just gets concentrated into the eye area. You know, again, I have patients that have that, but had such severe eczema that they don't want to, they don't want to stop it. They can deal with that itchy eye because they just feel so much better. The rest of their skin feels so much better. We considered putting me on Dupilumab for eczema and also because it was part of a test group for food allergies to see how it works with food allergies. But in the end, it wasn't for me. The doctors decided that my eczema wasn't severe enough for it to happen. However, one thing that came up in this discussion was that because I am of reproducing age, it might not be a good idea. Is there anything about that that we should go into? So, well, that's interesting because this is a relatively new medication. We don't have a lot of data for its use in pregnancy. Those studies are really usually done in real life studies of patients who don't want to stop the therapy or can't because of severe disease. We don't generally do studies on pregnant women. So I think that it could be a valid concern, but at the same time, it could not be a valid concern because we don't have any data to show that dupilumab is good or bad in pregnancy. So it's always a conversation that women need to have with their provider to weigh the pros and cons, considering what they're using their medication for. So if you have severe asthma and this is the only thing that's helped your asthma, really it might be a better idea to stay on the treatment rather than come off of it because having uncontrolled asthma with pregnancy is super dangerous. Yeah, it sounds like it's kind of a pro or con thing as well in this case since it's so new. And what about antihistamines? Because I know that antihistamines help for itching. Are they something that you would recommend for atopic eczema? Yeah, so antihistamines don't have a lot of good backing in atopic dermatitis as far as studies, but I think a lot of doctors still use them because the first generation generation or the older antihistamines like Benadryl and hydroxyzine, they tend to cause more sedation. I've found that for people with eczema that affects them at night and causes a lot of itching at night, putting them in an antihistamine that is sedating can help them fall asleep and stay asleep so they're not itching throughout the night. Now, we know there are creams and some medications that we can treat atopic eczema with. And is there anything else that we should note about skincare like bathing or soaps? Because I know personally that when I wash my hands with soap, I have a tendency to feel that itch coming on a lot faster than when I don't use soap. Yes. So I frequently get asked that question about bathing and bathing is a hot topic because some 
Some people think that you should bathe more often. Some people think you should bathe less. But in general, when we bathe and we use harsh soaps or we use really hot water, this can be drying for the skin. So I usually recommend that it's important to keep the skin clean, but it's it's also important not to overbathe and dry out the skin. And also using strong soaps is not a good idea, as we mentioned. So gentle cleansers that don't have any fragrance is the best. And then after you bathe, you have to have to hydrate the skin. And then one other thing that we haven't mentioned are bleach baths. So bleach baths are another thing that I recommend, especially when people tend to get infections of their skin, because what bleach baths do is they help get rid of that bacterial overgrowth on the skin that can sometimes occur in people with eczema and with that broken skin barrier. We can actually put up the recipe for a bleach bath and how you're supposed to do it on the blog, but it's a good thing to discuss with your doctor, but it's a relatively safe treatment. It's just like going in your own little pool once a week or twice a week. There's nothing dangerous about it as long as you're using the right amount of bleach to the right amount of water. Yeah, I think we should definitely put up the recipe for that because when I think of bleach bath, I just think of like the little skeleton sign on the bleach jar. So we'll definitely have to put that on so people do it safely. I know I've just discovered something called Reinigungsöl, which in English is a cleansing oil. And I know that it's like a super gentle cleanser. So that's what I use now because I I wanted to start washing my body with a soap and I hadn't. (laughs) I stopped washing with soap for like over a year and it got to a point where I was like, I need to find a good soap. And I know that a lot of companies that are known for making eczema soaps and creams have lace cleansing oils. So I would recommend looking into something like that. Are there any other tips for keeping atopic eczema from flaring? Yes. Well, we already spoke about how the triggers are different for everyone, but in general, staying away from hot places or sweating too much, stay away from very dry air or air that's too humidified because remember, humidifiers can make dust mites worse. So you really want to have the right balance where it's not too dry or not too humid. Third, stress or worry can also cause reactions to come on. So just doing things that obviously will keep you less stressed out, which is good for your body in general. Sudden temperature changes can also affect eczema. So just keeping that in mind. Harsh soaps and cleaning products, as we mentioned, not using perfumes, and then also fabrics. So it's really important to avoid things like wool or synthetic fabrics because they can aggravate already dry skin. So just those are general things to remember. Yeah, that's a good checklist to have. I feel like that can be a good Instagram post. (laughs) And the million dollar question to kind of round off this deep dive is, can eczema be cured? Or will it always just be something you have to treat? So no, eczema cannot be cured, unfortunately. And But fortunately, there are treatments that can relieve the symptoms of eczema. You know, as I said, when you're a kid and you have severe eczema, we do see that a lot of kids, up to 80%, will, you know, quote unquote, outgrow their eczema, meaning it just seems to get so much better, but it's never actually cured. I know for me, that was the case. I got a lot better as I became an adult, but my eczema can still flare at different times. If I'm exposed to a cat, the next day I'll have a huge flare of my eczema. Or if I'm in a new environment and I have no idea what I'm exposed to, my face might break out with eczema. So that tendency to have that dry, irritable, sensitive skin will always be with you. So there's not really a cure, but there are things that can make it obviously much better. Yeah, I think that I've had it personally come in waves 
but having a diligent skincare routine and working on stress control have been very, very helpful in managing my flares. And not to mention staying away from scratching that itch when it comes along. One thing we didn't mention was clothing for eczema and that it's really helpful and it's really good to wear gloves or certain specific shirts and pants made for eczema because it stops you from scratching. I wear a glove when I sleep even as an adult because I do know that I tend to scratch in my sleep and I tend to wake myself up from scratching. So that's one other tool I would add to your kit of skincare is if you have a child who tends to scratch and bleed at night that might be something you can consider using. We did do an Instagram post about this a while back and we can link to that in the show notes. Yeah. So thanks for bringing all of that up. I think those are all real life experiences that are important to share with people. And I'm sure a lot of our other listeners have real life experiences too that they can share. And we'd love to hear about those. So I think this was a great deep dive, what we call episode. Again, lastly, I know we keep concentrating on the atopic eczema, but most of this applies to any eczema condition. So just keeping all of these things in mind, if you have a dry skin condition, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Remember that all information you hear today is for informational purposes only and are not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, and or medical treatment of a qualified physician or healthcare provider. And also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you have a second, help spread the word by rating our podcast and sharing with your friends and family who might also be interested in learning more about allergies, asthma, and immunology. You can always stay up to date by checking out our Instagram, The Itch Podcast, where you can leave questions you are itching to know, or check out our website, which is www.itchpodcast.com, which contains more information about the subjects we covered in today's episode and every episode. Until next time, have a fabulous week. Thank you.